Thank you to Sideways 8 for sponsoring this podcast. From Susan G. Komen, this is Real Pink, a podcast exploring real stories, struggles, and triumphs related to breast cancer. We're taking the conversation from the doctor's office to your living room. Today on Real Pink, we're going to talk about factors that affect your risk for breast cancer. Some factors affect breast cancer risk a great deal and others only a small amount. Understanding the factors affecting your risk can help you work with your healthcare provider to develop a breast cancer screening plan that's right for you. To help us learn more about the risk factors for breast cancer, I've got Dr. Dennis Holmes on the show today. Dr. Holmes is the Associate Professor of Surgery at the John Wayne Cancer Institute in Santa Monica, California, is a world-renowned breast surgeon and longtime supporter of Susan G. Komen. Dr. Holmes has dedicated his career to breast cancer treatment and breast cancer research. Dr. Holmes, welcome to the show. Hello, Alan. It's uh, it's an honor to speak with you. I'm really looking forward to chatting and just understanding a little bit more about risk factors because, uh, admittedly, I, I don't have a lot of information. So uh, I, I think you're going to provide our audience with a lot of really good insight here. It's going to be really fun. I'm happy to help. So let's go ahead and get started. So what are a few of the common factors that affect breast cancer risk? Well, Adam, uh, it's important to understand that Breast cancer risk factors are physical, lifestyle, or historical factors that influence a woman's chances of getting breast cancer. So it really is a range of things. It can be genetic things, like if you have a genetic predisposition because of maybe a BRCA mutation. Right. Uh, it could be due to uh, family history. For example, if you have a first, second, or third degree family member on the mother or father's side uh, with a history of breast cancer or ovarian cancer, those things impact the risk. Breast density is something that we've recently learned as an important risk factor, and higher breast density is associated with an elevated risk of breast cancer. Of course, there's increasing age. Uh, there's issues of delayed childbirth, being overweight, lack of exercise, drinking excessive alcohol that's more than two glasses per day. So let's talk just a little bit about some of the things that you just mentioned towards the end of your list. So you mentioned several things that are genetically certainly beyond our control, but what about the things that are under our control? Can you talk, talk a little more about that? Right. So you made a very important distinction. There's some risk factors are changeable and some are unchangeable. And certainly genetics and family history are things that you just can't change. Your breast density is something that can't be changed. It's it's just, it's an individual trait that a woman has, uh, and it differs from one woman to the next. But there are things that you can do to reduce the risk. And one of those things is uh, exercise. Uh, another is uh, maintaining a diet rich in fruits and vegetables. Uh, the third is reducing or maintaining lean body weight. So if you're overweight, reducing your weight. These are all things that one can do, including avoiding smoking. And, you know, we know that Hormones, uh, particularly combination hormones that contain both estrogen and progesterone, increase risk of breast cancer over time. So if you can avoid using it, that's another way to reduce the risk. So where would someone get those hormones exactly? Like what, what would they be in? Oh, so, you know, women, when, when they reach menopause, often have side effects of menopause, such as high flashes and night sweats, that it reduces their quality of life. Many physicians prescribe estrogen replacement therapy okay. to women once they reach menopause to improve the quality of life. And we also know that 
you know, that has the ability to, the medication has the ability to improve bone density and also may reduce the risk of cardiovascular disease in, in women as well. So there are some positives related to it. But with extended use of hormone replacement therapy, we do see an increased risk, about 20% increased risk in breast cancer. Specifically, the medication that many people are prescribed are those that contain both estrogen and progesterone, two different hormones. And it's actually the combination of the two hormones that seems to be associated with a higher risk. So I think just summarizing what I've heard you say, so as far as factors that are under a person's control would be things like exercise, being sort of generally healthy, and then just essentially aware of the medicines and medications that you're on and the potential benefits and the potential repercussions of those medicines. Is that a good summary? Right. Although I listed hormone replacement therapy as, as a medication that increases risk, everything has sort of pros and cons. So an individual woman has to decide based upon her personal and family history and so forth, whether or not taking this medication, that the benefits of taking the medication exceeds the risk of taking the medication. So if she has a low incidence of breast cancer in her family history, but she has significant symptoms of menopause, she may decide that it's worth taking a little extra risk for the benefit of reducing the hot flashes and night sweats. And just to dig a little bit more on the, the exercise and healthy side, right? So there's obviously a large spectrum of, you know, very unhealthy to extraordinarily what I would maybe determine as hyper healthy. And so where on that spectrum would you sort of recommend women consider themselves to be in the more healthy, less risky area? Well, I guess, you know, everyone can be a little healthier. <laughs> from starting from where you are, there's always some room for improvement. But but it's actually been examined, you know, sort of calculated, like what is necessary in terms of exercise in order to achieve a measurable benefit uh, in reducing the risk of breast cancer. And so for the average woman, exercising two and a half hours a week, doing some sort of cardio exercise where their heart rate is increased, whether it's running, walking, dancing, treadmill, whatever, uh, that's been associated or has been shown to be associated with a 20% reduction in the lifetime risk of breast cancer. Uh, so that's two and a half hours a week. I tell my patients it's 30 minutes a day, five days a week. Yeah, I love that. If you can manage to get up to four hours a week, that reduces your lifetime risk by 40%. Wow. So it doubles. Doubles. And by way of comparison, you know, for, for high-risk women, we often recommend to them a medication that's given to reduce their risk of breast cancer. That medication is called tamoxifen, for example, which has some positives. It reduces the risk, but also has some negatives. But the magnitude of that risk reduction is only 50%. Now, 50% is a lot, but compared to what you can get from exercise, you can get 50% reduction from taking a medication daily for five years or 40% from just doing exercise without any need for medication and without medication side effects. Wow, that seems remarkable. It's not a little difference. It's actually a, a significant magnitude. When we add radiation to lumpectomy, that reduces the risk by about 60%. So you can get two-thirds of the benefit of that. So you know, it's not a small deal to recommend exercise, and it is really a way that people can empower themselves to take control of their risk. Nothing reduces the risk to zero, but you can do a lot to get the risk down to a manageable level. So, Dr. Holmes, I, I came into this conversation fully recognizing that exercise plays a huge role in our health, huge role in reducing risk for all kinds of things. In ne I never in my wildest dreams would have imagined you would say a 40% reduction in risk 
for four hours of exercise a week. That's a really good deal. (laughs) It's a great deal. I like that deal a lot. I see lots of anxious women that come in to see me, you know, because they're concerned about their risk of breast cancer and what they can do. And I do my best to try to channel their anxiety into exercise because, you know, you can worry about it and do nothing and not impact your risk, but you could also focus on the things you can do, which not only impacts the breast cancer risks, but exercise reduces the cardiovascular risk, which is the main killer of women, reduces the risk of diabetes, reduces the risk of colon cancer, improves energy, improves self-esteem. It has so many positives. Right. Wow. That's, that's, that's fantastic. And this, you're making me want to go for a jog right after this interview. So <laughs> I may do that. Uh, well, so, so it, it, wrapping up this interview, uh, where would somebody go to find out more about, you know, their personal risks associated with breast cancer and just get more information in general? Well, they should go to the Coleman website. I think it's Coleman.org. Uh, and there's an area where there's a list of breast cancer risk factors. It's also important to know that it's just not a matter of sort of guessing what your risk is based upon whether or not you have one of these traits that I mentioned. Uh, there are actual you know, formal calculators that someone can plug in their family history, their age, their history of abnormal breast biopsies, uh, and, and breast density that allows them to figure out on a very individual level what your lifetime risk of breast cancer is turns out to be. So one of those things that people have heard about and you can access just on the Coma website is the Gale model, which is a commonly used model for estimating your lifetime risk of breast cancer. Often people overestimate their risks. So having an estimate that's more precise will reduce a lot of unnecessary anxiety, but some people underestimate the risk. <laughs> so, so knowing that you're high risk can actually motivate you to take control of, of your lifestyle. So I, I think if I can just offer a, a, two takeaways from this conversation, it sounds to me like really understanding what your risk is is critical, and the, the calculator on the Komen website is a great way to do that. That's Komen.org. And then secondarily, exercise four hours a week because it's just great for you all around. If you can. If you can. And, and if not, then, then two and a half hours is still a great yes. start. Yes, it is. It's a fantastic start. Well, Dr. Holmes, this has been genuinely fascinating. I really appreciate your time today. I'd love to have you back on the show again sometime. And uh, and thanks so much for joining me. I'd love to return. Thanks for listening to Real Pink, a weekly podcast by Susan G. Komen. For more episodes, visit realpink.komen.org. And for more on breast cancer, visit komen.org. Make sure to check out at Susan G. Komen on social media. I'm your host, Adam. You can find me on Twitter at AJ Walker or on my blog, adamjwalker.com. Thank you to Sideways 8 for sponsoring this podcast. We all want to break through the noise on the internet and stand out. Sideways 8 is a digital agency on a mission to improve communication through marketing. Whether they're working with tech companies or national nonprofits, Sideways 8 helps you showcase your value while making it easy for people to find you. Sideways 8 services include website design and development, website care plans, digital marketing strategy, branding and messaging, SEO, pay-per-click advertising, and more. To learn more about highlighting the work your organization is doing, head to sideways8.com slash Komen. That's S-I-D-E-W-A-Y-S, the number 8, dot com slash Komen.